Welcome home and welcome to the Mount Carmel Ministries podcast. And that morning that you rose, all of heaven held its breath, till that storm was moved for God. can be seated. Find your favorite spot, move around if you need. Boy, God has taken good care of us in the weather this week, hasn't he? Make a Californian think they should move here. Joy. I, I uh, spent about 10 years of my childhood in Minnesota, Peterson, Minnesota, down in the south. A real small town was my dad's first church. Um, wonderful place to spend a few years. And then we moved to uh, Brooklyn Park after that. And I went to, started high school in Brooklyn Park. And uh, then we came back, of course, in, during seminary time, and Joy went to Concordia St. Paul during that time. We lived at uh, Luther Seminary. Joy had already lived there with her dad. Her dad's name is Luther, and they lived at uh, Luther Seminary during his, his seminary years. So she was moving back, but she grew up in, uh, in Los Angeles, Norwalk area. And uh, we happened to both be delivered by the same doctor in San Pedro. Isn't that amazing? Uh, and uh, my, my parents lived in, in the town we live in now when my dad was stationed in the army there. He was at Fort MacArthur, which still is a uh, uh, working um, Air, Air Force base now, um, connected to the El Segundo Air Force Base residential kind of area. So we have a long connection where we actually live right now. And uh, it's a joy to, to be in San Pedro. Does it sound okay for you guys? Good. Okay, this, this won't take too long uh, before we break up into a, a group, uh, or not into a group, and into some individual um, time of prayer. I want to talk about three different kinds of prayer, and they have to kind of do with the timeline, if you will. So they're what I call continual prayer, chronos prayer, and kairos prayer. And for each of them, I want to give you about two tools uh, that are, have been helpful um, to me. Continual prayer is that, is that relational prayer by which we find ourselves that I introduced this morning in life in the Trinity. You actually, you can't stop praying if you have the Spirit of God, and you do, as, the, as Paul is often saying. Uh, you, the Holy Spirit of God, as you believe in Jesus Christ, you can't live life apart from the Holy Spirit because you can't believe apart from the Spirit. Do you, do you know the catechism? I believe that I cannot by my own strength or reason come to Jesus, my Lord, or believe in him. But the Holy Spirit, boom, right, has called me by the gospel. He's called me by the gospel. Just as he calls and gathers and enlightens and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth, you have been brought in. The Holy Spirit has done this work for you, but the Holy Spirit has done this work in you. That this is the, the personal presence of God living in you. And do you think the Holy Spirit ever goes silent? No. The Holy Spirit maintains fellowship with the Father and the Son. And so you are living actually in continuous prayer. A lot of people here, uh, you know, uh, in the Thessalonians, first, I'm sorry, it is kind of still hot over here, so I'm going to move this way a little bit, but I'll try to keep my spit away from anybody that is close. So, um, is this okay? Um, 
1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. I used to think, oh man, how do you do that? <laughs> you know, you're doing it actually. The Holy Spirit is at work praying in you constantly, interceding, even when you don't know what to pray. Paul says in Romans 8 that the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs that are too deep for words to express. So you are living, when you are a believer, when you trust in Jesus Christ, you actually already are praying continually. You just might not be aware of it. And I think that might be the helpful thing that, that we're told in 1 Thessalonians is wake up. Wake up, there's, there's a prayer meeting going on and you're missing it maybe or just unaware of it. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a prayer meeting that's actually coming from God to God in you and you are a part of the life of God. So pray without ceasing. Two tools that help wake me up in, 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 in a continual prayer. One tool I just call frequent invocation. It was the practice of early Christians to simply invoke the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Maybe you don't even have anything to say after that. We use Jesus' name for other reasons. Sometimes it misuse Jesus' name, but this is a good use of Jesus' name, Jesus. We get used to saying the name of Jesus, Abba, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Of course, in our own, um, in our own um, days, you know, they're marked again, by what God has done in our life. Luther encouraged people in morning and evening prayer, his quick morning and evening prayer is to mark yourself with the sign of the cross. Remember that you belong to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's an invocation in the morning. It's a benediction at the end of the day as you, as you are brought into that life of God. So frequent invocation is one. Another help in continual prayer, I find, not in continual prayer, but in recognizing the continual prayer that's going on is uh, breath prayers. And that's taking a scripture verse or a short prayer and connecting it to your inhale and your exhale. This is a practice. I really find it to be helpful. I, when I struggle with anxiety, which I do uh, fre frequently, uh, I, I go to breath prayers. I just do. I start connecting to my breath, not just my breathing, but I connect to very short prayers that are connected to my breath. I've put a couple classic ones right here. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Helps when you're trying to go to sleep too, by the way. I get through about two and a half of them, then I'm out. It's just a, better than melatonin. Um, there is a, and I, and I think God is very happy for me to fall asleep on his lap. Uh, but there's a, there's, a, there's a connection also with the verse even, um, you know, um, Luther, Luther's uh, pastor, Staupitz, Johann Staupitz, gave Luther basically a breath prayer when he said, simply pray this, I am yours, save me. I am yours, save me. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. So many verses become very, very helpful uh, breath prayers. And it's kind of cool, if you, do, if you do 20 breath prayers, you're gonna keep breathing afterwards, unless you die at that moment. But typically speaking, you're gonna keep on breathing. And it's amazing that even when you keep on breathing, the lingering, the lingering memory in your uh, mind is those prayers that are connected to your inhaling and exhaling. And so there's this, uh, uh, who is the founder of Campus Crusade? Bill Bright. 
he talked about, he actually, this is a very old uh, Eastern Christian tradition, uh, the breath prayers. But uh, Bill Bright also taught about breath prayers. He, he, he connected it to when we uh, exhale, it's like confession. And when we inhale, it's like being filled again with the, the grace of God, the spirit of God. And so he just connected to the actual work that God does. But I love connecting it to an actual verse or a short, a short prayer. So continual prayer is uh, one kind of prayer that's actually happening right now, whether you know it or not. These things help me realize that they're happening in my, in my life. Second kind of prayer I call chronos prayer. Uh, the next two have to do especially with time. Chronos is like chronological prayer. I put like clockwork. Um, we see throughout the scriptures, Daniel 6.10, it says, Daniel got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. If you start to notice time-related subjects in the Psalms, you'll see a lot, actually, in the morning, in the evening. You start to notice, one time I read through the Psalms, I've been through the Psalms just so many times, and sometimes I'll just look for one thing in my next time through the Psalms, and I look for time-related things one time. And there's actual Psalms that are really geared toward evening, and Psalms that are really geared toward morning, and a few geared toward noon noontime, but most of them either morning or evening. Daniel had a prayer like clockwork. In the New Testament as well, uh, Luke 1.10 is the uh, story of Zechariah going into the uh, temple at the hour of prayer, and it was his turn to serve, it said, at the hour of incense. Uh, It was an actual time of prayer in the the temple liturgy, and uh, that's when he had the visitation, actually, from, uh, from the angel that gave him a prophecy about his son's birth, which surprised the socks off of him, shut his mouth completely. Um, he became mute for the whole birth of, uh, or the whole pregnancy of Elizabeth, which is nice. If you have a spouse that is only speaking negative things, it's nicer if they're mute than if they're, uh, than if they have, they're talkative. So uh, Elizabeth was, I think Elizabeth was real thankful that he was quiet for that, um, for that time. Um, I'm lucky it didn't happen to me, actually. Uh, and then in Luke, at Acts 10.30, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour, to, at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. It's called the uh, uh, Tomid service. Uh, and it's found in a, a variety of places, as you see there. W- one thing I want to say about Kronos prayer, especially for those of us who are uh, really looking for an experience all the time, and we don't think something happened unless we had an experience, like goosebumps or a mountaintop experience, or, you know, like if every day is not a retreat, you know, we think something is wrong. Kronos prayer takes a little bit of the burden off of that because you just do what you do. It's your habit. And we form habits, but more importantly, habits form us. Here's the cool thing. In Kronos prayer, you can have two years of Kronos prayer without goosebumps. Probably won't happen, but it's possible. Or uh, a, a great experience. Sometimes, in the middle of Kronos prayer, like in Zechariah's experience, an angel shows up or something. There's a moment that comes sometimes in Kronos prayer. And if you weren't in that habit, if that habit hadn't hadn't formed you, God would have found another way probably. But so many people are waiting for that experience, but they don't have the, the daily. Nordis Christensen was pastor's wife at our church for 22 years, and she said the Christian life would be so easy if it wasn't so daily. And uh, 
I've always loved that because it's just so real. Uh, and the, this is Kronos prayer. It's cool. As Zechariah enters into and a habit starts to form him at least, and his, it's his job to go do the prayer service that day. God shows up. God shows up. Um, and so I, I encourage people, keep on, you know, keep on, even if the goosebumps don't come every time. Um, or if you think, ah, there's something missing, a dynamic missing from my spiritual life. The, the habit will form you. That's, that's Kronos prayer. The two tools I want to give you, I've already talked, and I won't talk much more about the daily text. Um, but that's, that's my morning That's my morning practice is the daily text. I, I do other things at different times. That's the kind of stable thing, but then I'll read through the 60-day Psalter for a season of my life, or you do a, you know other reading plan for a, a, a time. But for me, and I'm not saying you should do that, but I, I, the, my morning practice really is letting God's word speak uh, first through the daily text. Um, the, the thing I want to say about that is uh, in... Uh, Bonhoeffer's life. Um, in in Bonhoeffer's life, he Bonhoeffer came from a, um, a very influential family. Um, his dad was not a believing Christian; his mom was, and but his parents provided uh, nannies for the Bonhoeffer kids, and uh, they were Moravians actually, and Moravian Christians, and so the 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 nannies taught Bonhoeffer how to pray the daily text. Uh, and it, it formed his life, actually. I just got done reading a book. It was just published this year uh, called The Keys to Bonhoeffer's House. I really encourage it. Uh, Laura Fabricki is her name. She, her, her husband worked for the Foreign Service in Berlin, and uh, she became a vo- uh, volunteer at the Bonhoeffer House, at which... Um, We've been to, uh, Joy and I and our family have been to the Bonhoeffer house, so it's fun to read the book based on that. But one interesting thing in that book is, you think of Bonhoeffer's context, of course, is during the um, rise of the Third Reich um, and the Nazi era in Germany. And uh, they had, uh, Bonhoeffer's really good friend uh, came and spoke the day that the Bonhoeffer house became an official museum. And it was in the same year that the SS headquarters became an official museum in Berlin. So Crosstown is the center of power, intelligence, technology for the forces of evil. And then across town is the Bonhoeffer House, a beautiful but simple neighborhood house. And Bonhoeffer's friends said, this was the center of power, the SS museum. Bonhoeffer's house was what he called a weak center, a center of weakness. And he said, what one? What one? And it's not that long ago. The weak center won. The cross won. Martyrdom won. It's a, it's, it blows me away, actually. And so the issue of this book is what actually forms, what actually forms God's victory in our life. That's my, my own words. And the, um, the author who was the um, curator in this museum for uh, one of the volunteer people in the museum said, it was, a, it was a vibrant dinner table. Even the dad was a wonderful man, 
but he wouldn't let people get by with cheap words. They had vibrant discussion at their dinner table and words had to mean something. That forms ultimate victory, actually. It forms a strong child. It forms a, a family unit. Um, another thing was, was committed friendship. Another thing was music in the home. Another thing was eating together. Uh, another thing was a band of brothers and sisters that had each other's back. And another thing that the author mentions is the Moravian Daily Text, actually, a, a, a spiritual faith practice that sustains you. And at the end of the day, the SS Museum is a, a museum toward failure. But the Bonhoeffer Museum is a witness to victory, God's victory, through strange means, right? We all recognize that the victory of God is sometimes doesn't look like victory because Bonhoeffer would lose his life. But ultimately, uh, there, there is victory um, in that. When, um, when the, the Bonhoeffer would help lead something called the Confessing Church, so the, the majority of the church in Germany was a compromised church that, uh, that recognized um, Hitler's reign as you know, a God-given reign. Uh, the confessing church said no, um, and many of the heroes of the, that era were a part of the confessing church, Martin Niemöller, uh, among many others. They had to begin um, leadership training in a different way because the official, the official seminaries and theological schools were all connected with the, the, um, the rise of Hitler, and so they started a confessing seminary called Finkenwald, uh, up in the north. Now I think it actually would be in Poland, but uh, it's uh, in the northern part of Germany. And, and Bonhoeffer was able to kind of start from the ground zero. So he didn't re just, just replicate the academic German theological system. He started a little fresh. He was creative. In fact, when Karl Barth heard about what, um, what uh, Bonhoeffer was doing, he said, you're too Catholic. Dietrich, just stick with the mind. Don't get into spiritual practices and confess, confessing your sins to each other and praying at a certain time in the morning and the evening. Just give them theology. Well, Bonhoeffer, that's where the, his book Life Together comes out of, knew that actual theological formation needed to happen in an actual community. And so he had these community rules that were based on the um, Sermon on the Mount, including you can't talk about another person unless they're in the room with you, even a good thing. A good thing is a gateway drug to talking about bad things about a person if they're not in the room with you. So you can only talk about someone else if they're present with you. Then Bonhoeffer had to visit a lot of times and all the rules would go out the window. They would just return back to, you know, life is normal. Bonhoeffer would come by, remind everybody, no. He, he required silence in the morning. Nobody speaks in the morning until the word of God breaks in. So the people, you know, don't talk while you're getting ready for the day, don't talk at breakfast. You come together, you hear the word, then the day can start. He wanted the word to be the thing that broke the morning silence. He'd go away, it would all go out the window. You know what I mean? They just went back to talking no matter when they wanted to. But he had this dream of a, of a life together kind of culture that was formed around God's word. Um, and the daily text was often that first word that was spoken in that, in that seminary. Bonhoeffer studied in America, um, Union Seminary in New York, uh, and he had angst 
while being here in America when he said Germany was going to hell. One Saturday, he wrote in his journal, it's almost unbearable. He said, today's God's word, he's talking about the daily text. Today's daily text was, I am coming soon, Revelation 3.11. And he wrote, there's no time to lose, and here I am wasting days, perhaps weeks. His un- <laughs> One day he, had a, uh, he went to worship at Riverside Church, you know, the bastion of liberal Christianity in New York City, real close to Union Seminary. And he regretted going to church that morning, actually, at uh, Riverside Church. He got home and he said it was quite unbearable. He returned to his room and the daily text, the Moravian Losungen in, Ger- in German, that's the watchword, where, how, uh, you know, Psalm 119, 115 and um, Matthew 13, 8. And he wrote in his journal at least how good the readings were today. Um, and then finally, they were somewhat determinative. It, Dave, uh, David Blackstead talked about how prophetic so many of the daily texts have been during this COVID season. We have thought the same thing in our community. We kind of jaw drop. Everyone's like, I can't believe this was picked before this happened. It was, they've been sustaining and so timely. Um, that was how it was for Bonhoeffer too. He was really in the tension. Do I go back to Germany and face possible arrest and death or do I stay here and continue training? It would be safer for me to stay, but you know, I care about my, my people. And he um, opened up the daily text on the day that he was really in turmoil and that the daily text came from Isaiah 28, 16. And it said, the one who believes does not flee. And he took it as a very clear word. He bought a ticket that day, I think, to go back to Germany uh, because he uh, had a real sense of calling uh, to his people. This is something in the chronos, you know what I mean? In the day, daily habit that God breaks in at times. Every day is not like that, you know what I mean? But there are determinative times that if we hadn't, if the habit, ha- habit hadn't formed us, uh, maybe the, the, the timeliness of that thing would also be missing. Okay, so that's Kronos prayer. Um, and especially the daily text I love, like I said, in the morning. Um, for us lately, we've been using almost every day, Johan and Sonia Hinderley have a podcast called Ground, it, it can be found on their website, groundupgrace.com and then you go backslash podcast. Their ministry called Ground Up Grace is actually taking the leadership on the daily text starting next year. Grateful for the partnership with Mount Carmel and Mount Carmel recognizing this, is a, this would be a, a mutually beneficial uh, um, partnership. And I know for Joy and I, it's really helped. We'll, we'll have our own kind of thing, you know, typically with the daily text. And then one of us will turn on the podcast. It's usually about eight minutes long. And it's, you know, I'll hear it from the, just where Joy is, or she'll hear it from where I am. And it leads to a little discussion. We don't have a deep, deep uh, time, I'll be honest with you, but it really has helped kind of foster and kindle a, a bit of communication around that verse for that day. Here's something where God was doing something. Did anything get your attention today? Yeah, when they said this or saying that. And so I, I love that. I, I um, think that what I love about Johan and Sonia doing it together is it reminds me of you're entering into a conversation in prayer like I've been talking about with the Trinity. And when you listen to their podcast, you feel like you're entering in, you are actually entering into a conversation, sometimes even a little banter, you know, a little story and a husband and wife being a husband and wife and talking about the, the scriptures for that day. 
And um, I just love it. I really do. I, I think it's so, so helpful. A lot of people in our church are listening to it. And uh, it's been, um, talk about Lord, teach us how to pray. It's a great introduction to prayer, I feel like, just entering into that conversation. So I put the website there in your handout, and I, I encourage you to oh, keep ordering the daily texts. I know they've been so easy to get here, and I assume they'll probably still be easy to get here through uh, making them available, but um, don't, yeah, they will, good. So let's just, of course, keep committed here, but uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I inherited a million dollars when I came to the church that I'm at, Trinity in San Pedro, because our uh, the pastor, a couple pastors before me was Larry Christensen, and he had spent a year in Germany on an academic fellowship, and he learned how to pray the daily text when he was in Germany, in German. We, didn't, we don't do that anymore, but, uh, and he introduced it to our church 55 years ago. So our church, the most common devotional resource at our church for 55 years has been the Moravian Daily Text. So when it actually came into being more so in our circles, it was something that was a little familiar to us, though we didn't have the great teaching about the trip and other ways to take the text and turn it into a prayer. So we've been so grateful for the mutual way, but at our church every day at 9.15 in the morning, we, we pray the daily text. We get together and just for 15 minutes, we hear and we pray. Some people join us for a season from the church. They'll just come, you know, and it's so cool to watch what happens. They, they enter into prayer. We have a guy named Ben. He retired and he said, Nathan, I'm thinking about coming and spending a little time at the church volunteering after I retire. Is that okay? He spends more time at the church than I do. I feel guilty actually for how much time he spends there, but he doesn't have internet at home. So he watches YouTube at church. Uh, anyway, he does a lot of other things too. He's awesome. And I, I said, Ben, I bet you're going to be more consistent at 915 prayer than I am. And uh, I said, would you mind leading it? And he looked like a deer in the headlights, you know, because he was a believing Christian. He knew how to pray, but he wasn't that comfortable at that time praying in front of people. Sometimes I'm in tears when he leads. Now, I mean, his, the depth of his prayer, I don't mean it's fancy or it's, you know, super duper spiritual. It's so heartfelt and authentic and real. Uh, and it is flowing from the daily text. Like they have formed him. I've watched it with my very eyes. Other people come for a season. Other people come on Tuesdays or, you know, just once a time. Our young adult community, we meet every day during that time and, and we pray the daily text. And it's really formed our community. It's cool how many times in our church council meeting, you know, we'll come to a place where there's a little bit of, uh, you know, how, what, what do we do? And someone will bring up. Don will say, well, the daily text today was this. I wonder if it has something to say to our situation all of a sudden, this daily word is forming our, our life together. You could do that with a small group in your congregation. You could do that with a spouse or with a, a, a person in your family. When, we're, when our kids were young, the repentance, intercession, plan part was a little more difficult, but they could all do the thank you part, you know? So we read the daily text and say, what, what can we give thanks for to God in this? You know, around the breakfast table when we all had breakfast together. I know it's hard with families because schedules are so funny. Uh, but th this was a wonderful introduction to learn how to, how to pray with each other. That's the, that's the morning tool. The evening tool, I don't use every evening. Uh, I don't use most evenings. I, I, I would like to use it more. Um, but it's something called the examen. And uh, it comes from the uh, Ignatian stream, the Jesuits, uh, Ignatius uh, Loyal. He uh, lived ba basically the same time as Luther, he was Basque, uh, you know, from, I think that's northern Spain. Um, and he was the founder of the Society of Jesus. 
I always like to say that his theology and Martin Luther's were sometimes contradictory, but their spiritualities were complementary. Um, Luther, I, I, I say, has a mourning spirituality because of his first word that God speaks to us, his gospel spirituality. Uh, um, the, the Jesuits have, I, I call it an evening spirituality because it's a reflective spirituality. It reflects on the day, um, and especially through the tool called the examen. But I, I put an order for the examen here, uh, but I'm going to take a moment and get, because our exercise is actually going to do, is going to be to do the examen, oh great, uh, just on our own in just a moment. Now, most of the time when people do the examen, they do it kind of on a daily basis. It takes about 12 to 15 minutes. It's not a long, long exercise. And there's a benefit in doing it regularly because you start to notice indicators in your life. I call it the dynamics of repentance. It's, it's like, you know, repentance is this turning. And they, they have this special thing in the Jesuit life about, it's actually at the beginning of the daily text usually every year, something of consolation and desolation. They, they, they recognize that there's things in our day that felt like we turned away. That's called desolation. Like, where, where did God go? Where am I? You know what I mean? It's this, these moments of desolation. And then times that we turn toward, those are called consolation. And so beginning to see those indicators is really helpful, not in a super-duper self-absorbed way, but to take a short time and to say, where, let's do a rummage through this day. Where were times that I moved away? Felt desolation. Well, when I got really defensive with my wife, that felt like, wait, what, where am I and what, what just happened and where is God in this? You know, when I responded to my child in, in you know, unreasonable kind of anger, that felt like a desolation. It doesn't mean that God went missing. It means that I went missing. Um, and we start to recognize that and we can start to kind of unpack it. Uh, when we're rummaging around in the day and go, I wonder how, where that came from. Oh, yeah, there's some old triggers that are typical when I, when I face that or I feel like I don't measure up. I respond like this, you know, I try to make it happen through anger or something. We start to be able to process. And the dynamics of repentance then aren't just, what I, th what I think is helpful is it helps us move to amendment of life. Because the dynamics of repentance are not just, sorry, I did that. But help me to see why I did that, you know what I mean? And not in a way that condemns me, but more in a way that I can go, it's, it's not, it wasn't fun for me to move into desolation. It probably wasn't fun for my kid that I moved into desolation. So, Lord, open my eyes to see. So some of those dynamics are helpful. The thing I want to do today for examen is to look back through this COVID season. I'm going to call it a COVID examen. And so from, from March till now, I, I, you don't have to do, every, it wouldn't be as inventory-like as if you did a 24-hour period. But I want you to look back, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to actually bring some things to mind during these last few months. We'll get to that in a second. Um, the last kind of prayer is Cairo's prayer that I have here. Chronos prayer is chronological prayer, you know, morning and evening, maybe noontime. Um, Cairo's prayer is the opportune time, the pregnant time. And... Uh, in Colossians 4, 2 to 3, it says, continue steadfastly in prayer. To me, that's continual chronos prayer. Doesn't it sound like that? Continue steadfastly. At the same time, Paul says, pray, for, pray also for us that God may open a door uh, for the word 
to declare the mystery of Christ. He's asking them for something specific. This happens in your life all the time. Would you pray for my aunt? Would you pray for my son? Would you, you know, um, would you pray? I, I, one thing I love about the current Pope is he's always asking people to pray for him. Kids, prisoners, He's always saying, don't forget to pray for Papa. You know what I mean? He knows he needs prayer and he asks for a specific prayer a lot of times. And I think that's a beautiful model for Christian leadership. Just because he's the Pope doesn't mean he doesn't need us to pray for him. Um, and, and so Paul is the same. Pray for me that a door would open. I don't know what door he's talking about, but he did and the people might have. And so this is kind of an opportune, you know, keep steadfast in your prayers, but pray for me in this. And so two tools for Cairo's prayer. One, one tool is when you're asked. That's easy because it's not in your control. When someone asks you to pray, that's a Kairos moment. Um, or if you get moved, that's the second one, when moved, when you say, would you mind if I prayed about that? I've met two people in my life that have said no, and I've asked many. I've asked many. I know a guy, I love him, uh, Steve Shogren. He, was a, he went to California LBI, and then he became a vineyard pastor in um, Ohio servant evangelism. He's so great. His new, his new line, he goes up to people everywhere. Would you mind if I prayed a 30-second prayer for you? Because it doesn't freak them out. It kind of does, but not too bad. If you just say, can I pray for you, they think you're going to enter into a, a sermon. You know what I mean? Uh, but if, if you say, can I just pray a 30-second prayer for you? Almost everybody says yes. They almost all say yes anyway. Um, and th this, so when moved to pray, that's a good one for Kairos, but also when asked to pray is a good one for Kairos. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put that there. There's other, other resources in the Bible, too. I was just going to you know, mention in, in my life, this is more from witness than teaching, but I'm, I'm grateful, and I know there, there's a variety of opinions about uh, spiritual gifts and especially spiritual gifts for today. I'm, I'm very thankful for uh, prayer language, uh, to, to use tongues in uh, prayer. I, di I, I didn't use that for most of my life, um, I think it's a gift that's available for people today. And it's not a crowning gift. It's not a proud gift. It's the most humble gift, I think, because it comes from a place of desperation. It's not the kind of tongues that are used in public places where you need an uh, interpretation to come with it so that it's useful for people that don't understand what you're <laughs> blabbering on about, like Paul talks about. Uh, but it's that when you, it, it's, I, I, it's actually what I, Paul Tournier says, it's expressing the inexpressible. Um, the Holy Spirit groans with sighs that are too deep for words to express. And I remember sitting with a woman who was beside herself because of discouragement about something her husband had done. I didn't know how to pray. You know, what do you pray? And um, she left and I just gutturally, I mean, just moaned and groaned, but used the, the prayer language. And I, I could say more about that if you want, but I just say for Kairos kind of prayer, that's been really helpful for me because there's so many times I don't know how to pray as I ought. And if you think, I don't know, I, I don't have the gift of tongues or the, um, I don't, I'm worried about it. Start just with groaning. God actually knows what that, God actually knows what that means. You might not, he, he might know better what it means than you do. You, that's why you don't need the gift of interpretation when you pray with it because God understands it. And that's who you're talking to. Um, and so in a public place, when it's for people, you definitely need interpretation. But when it's prayerful, you look, look, at, look on your own at 1 Corinthians 13 and 14. You'll see that it's 
used in two different ways, in a prayerful way and in a prophetic way. Um, and in the prophetic way, it's necessary to have interpretation. But um, in, in a prayerful way, God understands. And um, so that, that's what I just say on Cairo's prayer. Let's go to the examine. This is a little exercise for you to do now until our time ends. All right. I called it July 2020, but I want to change it to COVID. This is going to be a COVID examine. You don't want to think about it, but I have a feeling God is going to show you something that he's up to during this time, okay? So the five, the five kind of steps, first of all, is to remember. This is not a long step. You can do this. We'll do this all together. Remember, God is present to you, and you are present to him. This is what I talked about in the first session. You, you belong to the Trinity. The, the Trinity belongs to you. You're right there. You live right there. You're at home in the Father's house. So you remember that even as you locate yourself, okay? Yes, you're in a beautiful place on earth, but you are also right in the bosom of the Father. So you remember that, and then you review, and you review on the left-hand column. You review with thanksgiving. Dennis Ham, a Jesuit, said this is called rummaging for God, looking around, where is God in uh, this last season or this last day, whatever chunk you're gonna take, but I'm encouraging you to take the whole COVID season. Where is God? You look back on the season, um, any, maybe there was some biblical words that carried weight during this time. You heard a message or a daily text or something that has just, joy, I can tell what joy is, but I'm not gonna say it out loud. A word that God gave joy during this, during this season about, about what God was doing. She'd write that down on here. I, this is something that God, the word he gave me, kind of a watchword for this season. What have you received? What have you given? Any dreams or daydreams? Any interactions with others? Now, here's the thing. I, don't, I wanna take all the pressure off of you. I, I'm gonna let God bring things to mind for, for you. You can let God bring things to mind. That's where he wants to bring some fruitfulness. So you don't have to work it up. You don't have to fill in every blank if you don't want to. I'm just gonna pray right now. Lord, I pray that you would bring to mind those things in my brother's and sister's life that you want to explore with them. Um, thank you that you uh, sanctify us and in, including sanctifying our memory and our imagination, that that is not off limits to the work of the Spirit. And um, we want to open up in this last, however many, feels like too many weeks and months uh, as uh, places where you were not absent, but where you were present. So bring to mind some areas uh, that we could review in Jesus' name, amen. Response, then after, after you kind of make a list of, of events, they could even be little, you, that's not worth writing down, write it down. If it comes to mind, write it down during this last season. Funny little exchange, story, whatever. Third, you go to response. How did my heart respond to the above experiences? Some of us are not so good at feelings, you know what I mean? We, we know mad and we know sad and we know glad. That's okay, if that's your bandwidth, use those three. But he gives us a couple other real helpful responses. Delight, boredom, fear, anticipation, resentment, anger, peace, contentment, impatience, desire, hope, regret, shame, uncertainty, compassion, disgust, gratitude, pride, rage, doubt, confidence, admiration, shyness, and the list can go on and on. At this point, we entered into a time of personal reflection. Please join us again next week for the next teaching session with Pastor Nathan Hoff.